0: Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's word and consider how it applies to our lives. Hi, church family and those of you who are around the world, around the country. I just want to continue our series today on the Sermon on the Mount. We're coming to you from this passage of scripture, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, because we really do face a crisis. And Jesus said at the end of the sermon, he said, when a crisis comes, your foundation is revealed. And he talked about building your life on the rock. And to build on the rock, he said, the way that you do that is you keep these teachings of mine that he had just finished teaching in Matthew five, six, and seven. So today, what we're going to do is continue our journey through the Sermon on the Mount to see what the teachings are that Jesus wants us to do in order to build our house on the rock. That's our goal. You see, the, we started out last week talking about the Beatitudes and this upside-down life. That's what we're calling this series, an upside-down life, because Jesus is the life that the followers of Jesus live is a life that looks a lot different uh, than the life of other people. He talked about the fact that his followers should be people who are poor in spirit which means that we are spiritual beggars. We come to God saying, we don't have it together. We're not, we're not brilliant. We're not even uh, full of joy without you. We're spiritual beggars and that Jesus says, that's a good place to be. See, that's a place where God actually approves of you. Oh, isn't it amazing to think that Jesus Christ approves of you, and even that God himself is applauding you, and that's what he's referring to when he talks about this idea of being poor in spirit, of mourning over our sin and the sin of others, uh, of being uh, intentionally sacrificial when we really don't have to be. Uh, That's this life that he, this is how Jesus describes his followers, and remember, it's not something that you aspire to be, you try to be, you try to work into. It's something that Jesus develops in you. In these days of crisis, we need to make sure that we're living this upside down life. Winston Churchill is credited with saying, never waste a good crisis. I think it actually precedes him, but I, that, that's, he's kind of the one who's credited with that, and he certainly managed through a lot of crisis. And when you think of our crisis today, I believe, actually I'm convinced, that God wants to use this crisis to achieve his goals, to help people be drawn into his kingdom. And so today we're gonna talk about what is the role of his people? What did he send us to do even in the midst of this crisis? So look with me, get your Bible out. You can get your Bible app out, you can get your phone out, whatever it is, but I would encourage you to open the word of God because there's something about you reading it yourself that connects you to it and allows it to work and move in your life. So look with me, Matthew chapter 5, that's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, and we're gonna go through verse 16, Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. The Bible says this, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, or it's, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. We're gonna stop there and kind of look at what he's saying. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And you, and you may have heard that phrase before. Well, you know, he's just the salt of the earth. He's just a regular person. He's just a normal kind of guy. He really uh, helps people. What does he mean by you are the salt of the earth? Well, salt has a lot of meanings and would have had a lot of meanings in the ancient world. And, and sometimes we think that, well, maybe it's salt for healing because it really does kind of help uh, healing. Or maybe you could think, well, it's like putting salt in the wound. It's actually going to sting even as it heals. Um, in the ancient world, um, Roman soldiers were sometimes actually paid in salt. And so the phrase would come about, uh, he's worth his salt or he's not worth his salt. And actually, the word uh, salary comes from the the Latin word uh, salarium, which means uh, that an allowance to buy salt. That's how valuable it was in the ancient world. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, what he's meaning is that you have great value. And the reason you have great value is because the number one use for salt, even with all these other uh, uses, the number one use in those days was to preserve meat because there was no refrigeration. I can't imagine. That would be awful to me. Uh, No ice in my Coke. Um, Everything is what it is. You can't change the temperature of anything. Um, But salt was used to preserve meat. Otherwise, it would decay and be useless in just a matter of days, if not even sooner. And so what they would do is they would take the salt and they would rub it into meat to preserve it. And it would last a lot longer, a very long time, if they would get enough salt into it. So salt is this preservative. So think of what Jesus is saying. He's saying to his people, his followers, you are the salt of the earth. In other words, you are the agent of preservation to something that is rotting. Take that in for a minute. You, those of you who are followers of Jesus, who have received the gift of salvation through faith and repentance, you are the agent of preservation to something that is dying, something that is rotting. What a powerful thought. See, we're the the agents of Jesus who are providing this gift of life to the earth, which means uh, the world, those around us. You are the salt of the earth. It's a really great concept. Jesus has just told you this is, this is what you're like and this is who you are. Now, understand this. You don't get to make yourself salt. Jesus makes you salt because you're a follower of his. You are salt. So that's who you are, but there's a warning there. Look what it says. It says, but if salt has lost its taste or its saltiness, how shall its saltiness be restored? it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So there's a huge warning there. Jesus is concerned that people may lose this sense of saltiness. Now, how does that happen? If you're a chemist, or really kind of even a sixth grade chemistry student, you know that salt is sodium chloride. And that's by definition what salt is to us. But in the day of Jesus, Salt was more like a very crude rock salt and it was how you'd evaporate brackish water and salt would have a lot of impurities in it. It wasn't just sodium chloride, the stuff that you actually taste. What salt was was this compound of a lot of minerals kind of together in this rocky uh, substance and uh, that's what salt was. So what happens to rock salt? If you've ever made homemade ice cream or if you have a home water softener, you know that what happens is when you dilute salt or when you put rock salt in water, all of the sodium chloride leaches out. And what you're left with is really kind of a sand or a gravelly mixture of minerals. And in those days, their rock salt was a lot more corrupted than ours today. And so if you let salt out in the rain, for example, or if you let it get diluted by water, all that you had left was just a bunch of gravel. And so imagine saying to someone, hey, take this gravel and rub it into the meat that you just butchered and it's gonna survive. It's not gonna survive at all, is it? Because when you put gravel in meat, it just makes it taste awful and it doesn't preserve it at all. So what Jesus is saying is, look, he's saying to his people, if you allow yourself to be diluted In other words, if you allow yourself to have water run through you to the place where all you have left, where all the salt is gone and all you have left is gravel, you're really only good to be thrown out on the road like like gravel to walk on. So what's the application for this part of the scripture? Here's the thing. Today, it's easy to have your saltiness diluted because of the stream of fear and anxiety and stress that is coming to us constantly. Yes, we need to know exactly what's going on in our world, but honestly, you don't need it 24 seven. It doesn't, you don't need to spend more time on the news than you spend on Jesus. More time on the news than you spend in scripture. More time on the news than you, than you spend in like a small group Zoom uh, conference call. You see, that dilutes us and it removes our, all, that, all that news and all those, those tweets and all that negative media you see. It just dilutes your saltiness and it takes away your joy. So I want us to make sure that we are uh, focusing on the reality that Jesus is the one who provides the salt. So not only are we the salt of the earth, but we're also the light of the world. And these two passages are really parallel and uh, what jesus is doing here is he's saying this is what you're like and this is another thing that you're like um but it's they're they're similar but they give kind of a different context and a different nuance so look at verse 14 it says this you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven so what is this light he's talking about this light of the world he says it's like a a city on a hill that cannot be hidden well in those days when jesus was walking the earth uh, you would build a city if you built it on a hill you would build it out of either earth and bricks or stone and what would happen is those, those materials would begin to be bleached out by the sun. So there would be this sense of almost looking like a white city set up on a mountain. So you can imagine how that would look a, on a hill. You, you couldn't miss it. And at night, when people would begin to light their lamps, it would be brilliantly lit up. And that's an amazing picture on a hill, and it can't be hidden. So here's what Jesus is saying. You're the light of the world. And so you should stick out, quite honestly. Uh, you should be something that people cannot miss. That's what I am developing you. That's in, in you. That's what I am making you to be. We're the light that carries the message of Jesus to the world. And he says, you know, you don't, no one covers up the light. They put it in the middle of the room so that everyone can see and everyone can be illuminated. And he says this so let your good works shine forth so that people will glorify your father in heaven he's saying listen let um let these things that i'm telling you you're going to be like uh, you're going to be a peacemaker we talked about this last week you need to be uh, my people are merciful uh, my people have a pure heart they're not two-faced they're not deceptive and my people are just fine if they get persecuted these are the good deeds that Jesus is talking about, let let people see them and uh, they will bring glory to my Father. So here's what he's saying, let your light shine so that people can become part of the kingdom of heaven so that they too can know about this new deal, this, this new covenant that Jesus brings, which is that we can come to him through prayer and repentance and be a part of his kingdom and spend eternity in heaven, which incidentally, We'll talk about next week, about what it means to go to heaven. Um, But just like with salt, there's a problem. There is a warning. He says, listen, no one covers up. uh, No one lights a light and then puts a basket over it. Why would you do that? Um, But sometimes, as followers of Jesus, we tend to want to cover up. We don't want people to see that we're followers of Jesus. We, We start to just want to be like everyone else. And I want to tell you, in these days, it happens to all of us at some point. Some days, the news happens, and maybe you hear about a friend, as I did the other day, who has the virus. And you can start to get anxious and fearful. And it starts to kind of cover up that light um, that, that Jesus told us to be. And we have to understand that we need to recognize that we do live in a dark place, in a dark age, and there's a lot of darkness going on. We need to feel that. We need to not ignore that, but we need to remember that we have the light. We have the light in the darkness that can shine on people and help them realize no matter what happens, if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to spend eternity with him, and nothing can take that away from you. It's the same way with the salt. As the salt is rubbed into uh, the meat, it provides, it doesn't deny the fact that there's rot and darkness around it, but rather it provides the preservation um, that Jesus offers. So here's what I want us to understand as followers of his. We are the salt of the earth. We recognize the challenge of the day, right? We do and we need to be uh, caring for people we need to empathize with people but we have an incredible hope because we have jesus who will ultimately preserve life we have the light of jesus that will illuminate who god really is and the way to life so i want us to make sure that that's how we're thinking in these days you may be wondering well steve how do i do this i mean we're we're, we're distant, we're social distancing. How do, I, how do I press my life into someone else's? And here's what I want you to understand. Uh, people today, because we have to be distant, it's interesting, they wanna connect even more than ever. So I wanna encourage you, as you're maybe walking in your neighborhood, maintaining proper distance, as you see people, be ready for the conversation. You don't have to conjure up some great speech to them, you just have to be ready uh, to represent Jesus well. Also, think about those people in your life who are probably far from God um, or you're, you're, you think may be really fearful in these days. Connect with them. People are so much more likely to talk on the phone than in many, many years. I mean, it's amazing. It's like we're back in the 70s in terms of people wanting to talk on the phone. Uh, it used to be just a few weeks ago, you either text, emailed, uh, social media, direct message, whatever it was. Now, people will talk to you they'll actually just talk and you just need to listen to be Jesus, to be salt and light in their life and just let them know that you have great hope. And if they wanna know about that hope, you're there to help them know about that. So press into their lives. And I wanna encourage you this way as well. Be careful what you're listening to all day. Be careful about how many times you're checking the COVID virus news. I mean, there is a, there are at least two press conferences every day, one from the governor, one from the president. There's probably also one from your local municipality. um, And you can listen to that stuff and then you can spend all day talking about it. I need to tell you, that's gonna take away your saltiness. That's gonna be covering up your light. You need to be pressing into Jesus more than ever. There is more content available online than ever today. I wanna encourage you to be reading your Bible every day, be spending time in prayer, be praying with others. When someone gives you a concern and says, you know, I'm just terrified that this is going to happen, and they may be right. They may have been exposed. They may be about to lose their job. Say, you know what? Could I just pray with you about that right now? On the phone, from a distance in your neighborhood, uh, however you're communicating, say, I want you to know, I want to pray for you. People are more open to this than ever. You see, I believe, I'm convinced that God has pre-positioned his people to be a blessing in these days. I think there are opportunities that we're gonna see in the coming weeks that are unprecedented. People are gonna be saying, what's my hope? How do I know how to respond? Don't lose your saltiness because of all the news. Don't cover up your light because of anxiety. Yes, accept the fact that we're in a dark place, but that darkness only allows the light of Jesus to shine brighter. Let your light shine. I wanna move us now into a time of prayer to deal with this anxiety, to deal with the fear, and to really um, lean into the saltiness of Jesus Christ. And as we do, I want you to deal with uh, your fear. So would you bow with me right now? Um, as you close your eyes right where you are, if you're with other people, encourage them as well. As you come to the Lord in this time, examine your heart. If you're feeling overwhelmed with anxiety, ask Jesus to take away your fear. Confess any lack of faith that you might have had in these days. Start to focus on the greatness of Jesus Christ that no one can take away. Focus on the reality of heaven. And as you're doing that, begin to pray for others around you who are anxious and fearful. Pray that they would respond to the good news of Jesus. And if today you would say, Jesus, I don't think I've ever known you. I want to today receive the gift of salvation, this good news that can make me salt and light. Jesus, I confess my sin. I admit that I can never be good and I need your, your payment, your blood on the cross to pay for me on this Palm Sunday. Would you save me? I repent. If that's your prayer today, I want you to, I would love to, for you to reach out to me at steve at fbcdelray.com. Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Delray. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.